0: Welcome to the People Helping People podcast, where we discuss culture, social change, entrepreneurship, and basically anything cool where people are helping people make awesome stuff happen. I'm your host, Adam Morris, and today I'm very excited to be here with Rose Beroni, And we're going to be talking about graphic design, entrepreneurship, starting your own freelance business, and what it takes to start something on your own. So I met Rose uh, a few weeks ago at The CSEA was having uh, their monthly talk, and she's starting her own freelancing in her part time, and she's been doing some great stuff. So, hi, welcome. Hi, thank you. (laughs) I'm excited. So, uh, let's start off. I'm curious a little bit what's been going on with your your freelancing work. I know Mm -hmm. you you, you have a full time job, and then in Mm -hmm. in your part time, you've been building up a freelancing career. So, Mm -hmm. what does that look like?
1: So, I started part time about six years ago when I was in college. I started off really, really, really baby sips. I mostly was self-taught with graphic design too. So I started out not even thinking of it as a business at first. I started out doing things for friends who were in bands, they need a CD cover, something (laughs) like that. So invitations, things, different labels, greeting cards. And then it became clear that I really liked doing it and I wanted to do things that challenged and inspired me and it became clear maybe a couple years into it that I wanted to make money doing it so I began doing more logo work and more poster work and Kind of getting in touch more with different networks of people beyond family and friends. And so I went to Ohio State, so I had an Ohio State network. Were you then studying
0: graphic design?
1: I was studying English, actually. So oh, okay. I work in marketing, and I also do graphic design. So it began there in school, when I was thinking about how my English degree would be complemented so well <laughs> through visual communication. So it just kind of was born naturally that way. And then... Yeah, after I graduated, I kept with it. Still very, very part-time. A couple years ago, I started getting people who I didn't necessarily know that well, but were still part of my professional or Ohio State network contacting me asking for something. How did they find you? So I think there were a couple of people that I was in classes with at Ohio State, a couple of people that I knew socially from Ohio State, A couple people that were in different professional organizations and different community groups, too. So 2015 was when I started taking it more seriously and trying to figure out what to charge and how often to do freelance work, too. Because uh, since I do have a full-time job, I was thinking a lot about that (laughs) at that time. And then in late 2016, early 2017, it started shifting a little bit more to... What we were talking about at csca which was people who are associated with startups particularly in uh, scientific and engineering fields mm-hmm. needing help with their visual identity in some way so either they had an idea for a logo or had no idea for a logo that happened to <laughs> um, and just kind of needed Help because I really like doing work for scientists and engineers, mm-hmm. and I like working with them and helping them sort out their thoughts on on how to display themselves, how to show themselves off visually. Yeah, so that's how, what's how great. do you find them? How do you find
0: them? like I know when you're starting something, there's not much visibility to.
1: It's like, mostly been professional organizations that I've okay. joined, and then word of mouth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing how. Well, word of mouth works. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of surprising, actually.
0: So you do good work and other people say, uh, hey.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's the hope that it'll keep happening, too.
0: So you're not out there, like, calling entrepreneurs at your lunch break being like,
1: hi. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not. <laughs> I don't know that that would really speak to the kinds of people that I'm hoping to mm-hmm. work with. That's a fun idea, though. I'd like to try that. How's it balancing that with a full-time job? Well, I think I would compare it to... I did one post-baccalaureate year of studying graphic design out of state. Mm. And so that year was early morning until night work. And so it was different than the type of work that I've been doing before. And it was way different hours. And so shifting from that to taking freelance work more seriously plus my full-time job seemed kind of it seemed doable because I was already kind of doing it already and so nights and weekends that's when I fit in things and it depends on the type of work too but yeah it's usually just nighttime. (laughs) yeah you graduated you had
0: this extra time on your hand you're like hey wait a minute I know how to use this time and
1: yeah yeah I can do something that I'm excited about and proud of, and I don't necessarily need to wait around for it to happen. And if I don't have something happening for a client right then, I can start working on different prints and posters mm-hmm. that I want to make too.
0: You mentioned that it took you a little while to figure out how the pricing would work. with mm-hmm. like, How did that start? Like, What were you doing at the beginning, and how did that actually transform into something yeah. sustainable?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about that a little yeah. bit too. So I think I learned the hard way about some... <laughs> <laughs> about pricing which is that I wasn't valuing my work mm-hmm. enough so basically I read a lot about how to price your work whether by the project or by the hour mm. and a lot of it depending too and so I, I learned that it wasn't as simple as I thought it was going to be but it turns out that the more complicated answer suits my work much better because it turns out that it just depends, and that's what I keep reading Okay. and experiencing. There's no one-size-fits-all. I don't think so. <laughs> 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 not not so far, not in my experience, because charging by the hour wouldn't necessarily always benefit the designer. And I think charging by the project could be kind of tricky, too, if you always do that. People could learn that if you don't place certain parameters that, you know, they could keep asking and asking and asking for changes. So so revisions for... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, version 210.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that holds true pretty much anywhere you go. You have some clients that are very easy to work with. It's very clear what the project is. You, you do it, mm-hmm. you finish, Like okay, I charge per project for a project mm-hmm. like this, and then you get a client who's like can't make up their mind. They, mm-hmm. they want changes after you finished and it just goes on and on and on and on and never ends. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think also the biggest shift too was deciding it's not a hobby, it's a business. Mm-hmm. And so once I took the business part of it more seriously and and once I started thinking more about marketing too, since that's a business or part of business, I thought a lot more about my value as mm-hmm. a designer and so that kind of started to click more to them providing a service and certain knowledge that, that they might not necessarily have, especially if they're from such different backgrounds, different disciplines.
0: Now, when you're working with entrepreneurs, have many of them worked with designers before? Is this usually something where it's it's new to them? Like, what's their general level of understanding when, when they reach out to you? It's pretty new
1: to them to work with a designer. So I think part of working with the people that I've worked with and the people that I expect to work with is educating them mm-hmm. as well and trying to help them understand how they can get the most out of it. What um, are their
0: general misconceptions when they when they start off?
1: Probably the biggest is, I need a logo, Help me, help me come up with a logo. And then sometimes the conversation kind of dies off there and then it's a matter of the designer, or I guess in some cases, the account manager saying, what's the logo for? What's, is there a larger context to it that you're trying to, some goal that you're trying to achieve with this logo? Mm -hmm. And what strategy are you using to roll out the logo too? I think those are really interesting questions and they might, they might even reach beyond the actual design of the thing, because that's something that I Certainly, can do and designers certainly can do, but I think we're more valuable to them when we teach them to think beyond only a logo mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to their visual identity and how they want to present themselves in print and online, too. Yeah.
0: So, I like think. there's a lot of education that, that goes on in that. It's discovering what their situation is and where they're at and helping them understand, okay. Mm-hmm oh, so this is what you're really looking for. They may have one idea of what they want, but it's really up to you to help them understand.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think if there are any other big misconceptions. I think the other misconception might be expecting a logo to do everything or expecting a logo to be a cure-all and just kind of stopping there when you're paying for something. And... I think that a logo could only do so much.
0: It's not like people see a logo and all of a sudden they're, they're going to buy your product just mm-hmm. because you have a logo on your desk. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I think that you have to be more competitive than that, especially if you're a startup.
0: So if you're, you're speaking to an entrepreneur and trying to explain to him, you know, what aspects of graphic design are going to be important for his business and how, mm-hmm. you know, different elements might take his business forward. Like what would that be? So beyond the logo, What should an entrepreneur be thinking about in terms of rolling out a design or a look or communicating what they're about?
1: I think a couple of things come to mind. The first thing that I have talked about before, sometimes it's understood. Sometimes it's kind of planting a seed and maybe they'll come back later and say, actually, we do want that. And we realize why that might be important because it keeps coming up and we don't really have a way to resolve this issue. So... I think of a brand identity guide or a brand manual, something that includes the logo but extends beyond it. So that would also include examples of the written voice of the company, too. Hmm. So not just the visual communication, but the verbal written communication, too. And I think that's that's something that does extend beyond what a designer does, but it's something that's come up because it makes it can complement your design really well. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I naturally gravitate towards because of studying English too and and thinking about marketing too. So brand manual or brand identity guide and that that can include a lot of different things too. So not just the logo, but also the applications for the logo and the ways that it should and shouldn't be used. I think that's something that's kind of tricky. We talked about that a lot in um, my program too, which is that... Once the logo is created and it's done, that's wonderful, but then it has to live somewhere on your materials. And Mm -hmm. so then uh, brand standards are, are really important then to decide how small the logo should be or how large the logo should be. If you're allowed to change colors or not, or if you're not, if black and white is okay with you, if only the word itself is okay with you, or if you want mm. something like a Nike swoosh to be able to communicate what you want to communicate, or that apple, apples on it too. Yeah. So there might be opportunity. I also think that Chipotle is a good example too, because they have the actual pepper. They yeah. have a few different ways of showing their name. And so everything like that would be included in some in a manual or guide okay. of some sort. And then it probably extends beyond to the brown Chipotle bags with all the words and stories on the sides and stuff and <laughs> drawings. So I think stuff like that may or may not be in it, depending on how often it gets updated. But it could include a lot of different things that might you might not think about right away. And then beyond that, I think also the business card stationery website those things do tend to come up quicker than something like a brand identity guide, but I think that um, they come up quickly in terms of urgency. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that some guiding light for your for the materials that you end up creating, like any other print materials, or if you do emails out to um, to different people too, or yeah, depending on what your marketing materials are, too, that can be really useful and help. So that your marketing
0: materials reflect what your mm-hmm. brand is and it's consistent with what's on your website and mm-hmm. what you're saying. Do a company's like, values and mission come into that very much?
1: Yeah, I think it should. That's something that would be part of maybe the first or second page of your mm-hmm. showing what your brand identity is, or saying what it is first, and then later you can kind of show examples of how to communicate that visually, too.
0: Um, Young entrepreneurs usually have an idea of what those are.
1: (laughs) Usually by the time I start working with them, they have a pretty good idea, and they have articulated their mission and or vision in some way. And so I'll look at that and think about that, too, when it comes to the logo creation and... Yeah, I guess it depends on how how far along they are, but in my experience they've been pretty good about articulating that
0: part Mm -hmm. of it. Now, you mentioned you had worked with a a company that was in Washington. Mm -hmm. How does that work when you're you're so far away? Is that mostly Mm -hmm. just over Skype? Like how do you
1: Yeah, Skype, email, phone calls, good old fashioned phone calls. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was pretty amazing that I don't think on either of our ends it felt particularly uh, difficult to keep in touch. And mm-hmm. yeah, and getting different iterations back out was pretty easy. It was great. <laughs> now, since you
0: have a, a full-time job, how are you communicating with people throughout the day? Mm-hmm.
1: Generally, email. Okay. During email, sometimes during lunch, usually after 5 p.m., though. Okay. Well, or between 6 and 8 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it just depends on how urgent it is, too. But so far... I was nervous about that at the beginning, thinking I need to get back to people right the second. But generally, if it's between 6 and 8 a.m. or 12 p.m. or after 5 p.m., those are three really good times in the day already. So it hasn't come up that someone's said, respond faster. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I had a colleague once who shut his email off for about four hours out of the work day. And mm-hmm. said, nobody have an issue with it they they learned that he wasn't going to respond and yeah yeah i think that's part of it too people learn your
1: behavior and adapt to it or you move on to work with different people
0: so what's what do you find so what is it about graphic design that find enjoyable that you're doing this in your spare time trying to think Uh, of something how does it start how did you mention that you started off doing you know cover art for for bands Mm -hmm. and things like that yeah. We're always artistic right now, Like
1: Yeah, so I started out in high school and before high school doing uh, drawing courses and painting courses at CCAD. They're Saturday morning art classes. And so that started to shift in late high school, but I didn't really get into graphic design until early college. And I think the first, the very first thing that I did was design what I thought a book cover would look like if I were to do it. And so it just was, I was looking at book covers all day because of being an English major and and thinking this could be different. And what is a way that I can communicate what everything complex and interesting that's in this book through, you know, probably on a five by seven cover or whatever the size is. And so it was a design challenge that I think that many people may come to it through that even, because it's something that I had a daily exposure to. And yeah, so I started there. And I'm glad that I did too, because it's interesting how a challenge like that can then extend to something like communicating the interesting, complex things about a business too, because you might have to communicate something that is complex and alive and growing and shifting through a really simple logo even. So yeah, I was just kind of fascinated by trying to make complex ideas a little bit simpler, a little bit more accessible too.
0: Did you have any idea in high school that you would be doing something artistic later on?
1: I just wasn't really sure. I really liked my painting classes and drawing classes and really liked fine arts, but... Didn't really want to do fine arts in college, so I was feeling kind of stuck for a while. And trying to figure out how to make it more applicable to business and a little bit more applicable to reading and writing too, I guess. And I I was really attracted also, uh, not just to art, but to artists' statements. And so that's something that probably brings me back to marketing a little bit, which is I'd read different artists statements and then think about how would I communicate something about this particular artist with everything that they do, trying to simplify it enough to that, you know, this is the essence of this artist now. And I I did kind of find that many artists would have a really difficult time writing an artist statement. So yeah, I thought about that a little bit too. And that was kind of the beginning looking back of thinking I could help people better articulate what they're trying to say about themselves, what they're trying to show about themselves. favorite artist? Favorite artist. Oh, man. I actually read Georgia O'Keeffe biography a year and a half ago, and that was really interesting. So, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. There's so many. There's this local artist, too, that I really like. His name, I really hope that this is his name. <laughs> <laughs> his name is Christopher Burke. And he does paintings and drawings, but I think mostly paintings. I don't want to misrepresent what he does. <laughs> it's like a utility poles and like like a lot of civil engineering type things, like dumpsters and the corners of buildings. And it's so realistic, too. And I just thought it was amazing that he was looking at things that a lot of people don't really look at or just kind of our train to glaze over like manhole covers even I'm sure <laughs> and like different parking spots and just kind of everyday life things or the things that make
0: what we're used to You just don't happen. notice because they're so common.
1: Or... Mm-hmm. Yeah I wouldn't be surprised if he did a painting of like a, a water tower or something. I don't even notice water towers but I started noticing them more and more and <laughs> thinking what's he painting that I'm not even noticing. So I really like his
0: style, though, too. Yeah. So going back to entrepreneurs a little bit, there's always this question on my mind of like, okay, an entrepreneur starts up, and typically they're very strapped for cash unless they are super wealthy, have some great funding, or have had earlier successes. How do they afford graphic design? Hmm. Have you found that to be be an issue or no?
1: I haven't found it to be an issue yet. I think it could be. I guess it depends on how developed they are, how much funding they have. They usually have the enough funding funding for okay for the initial stages of rolling out what they want to do. Now, are you doing like uh, entire websites or just? Oh no, uh, (laughs) not entire websites. Okay, (laughs) yeah. Although the design of the website, yes, but the development of it, no,
0: that drove me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So, do you work with other people? with that or is that something where they would take a design and they'd find somebody else to build a website for them? Or have um, ever... no.
1: I haven't worked hand-in-hand hand with a developer and web designer yet. I don't know that I would necessarily count myself as a web designer, but yeah, usually they would find someone else and I'd offer ideas on how to make the design consistent, like you definitely could do layouts um, and mm-hmm. mockups as a, as a graphic designer. But that's something where I'd wanna grow, I think. But I think it would also be a matter of finding the right partner too.
0: <laughs> what what has it been like working to are there some entrepreneurs that you've worked with that you can share a little bit what it was like working with them and, mm-hmm. and how to pull it?
1: Yeah. So I guess I don't wanna say anything too specific, but I'll leave out names. <laughs> <laughs> so I've worked with actually very recently with some fashion designers who, they have really cool designs. They're really excited. I really like working with entrepreneurs and startups for that reason because mm. they have a certain energy to that. Yeah. And by the time they start meeting with designers and accountants and lawyers and everyone who might be involved, uh, marketing people and uh, writers, they're, you can tell they're, they're so ready to get going. So... Yeah, every meeting that I had with these fashion designers was the time went so quickly. It felt like such a natural fit too. I was excited mm-hmm. for them. They were excited to work with me, and they're really put together too. Mm-hmm. And so, and really impressive. And I'm excited for them too because then I got to learn a little bit more about Columbus being a fashion city, yeah. and which I didn't really know that much about. And it's funny too. It's interesting because while they are fashion designers and I'm a graphic designer. We don't really necessarily know that much about what each other creative discipline really does Mm. exactly. So they were talking about how, you know, they might have a pretty strong aesthetic sense and they might be able to work something out. They might be able to kind of cobble something together, but they want someone... They trust the opinions of creative people who do this exact thing. Mm. And so I think that's the other thing that I really liked about working with my fashion design clients was that they're, they're really trusting and confident in what another creative person is doing and excited about it. I
0: think that's something I've always found about startups is that they have a certain energy about it. Like you have to be passionate in order to start something and actually mm-hmm. pursue because it takes a lot of work and effort. And if yeah. You don't have that passion. It's just,
1: yeah, yeah. And it felt like we were similar in that we were working kind of all hours of the week, trying to make, these things happen, and so I would respond at weird hours, they would respond at weird hours, and (laughs) so it was just kind of like we were partners and moving things along pretty much no matter what.
0: (laughs) Uh, Now, where do you see your freelancing business going?
1: Well, so one exciting thing was being in the recent Blockfort show called Beautiful Words, so I was excited about that. So I have this one print from that show, that was selected and I do want to later in the year start an Etsy shop too of prints Mm -hmm. and prints and posters and so I'd had various things that I've started and I kept thinking I need to put them somewhere because for the time that I'm not uh, spending necessarily working with one client or another I would like to devote some energy to a shop environment too that's something I haven't done before really
0: how about some of the prints that were on your website
1: Oh, thanks, thanks, yeah. So I'm hoping to put up different things, and yeah, I'm excited. Turns out it's a lot of work, though. It's a lot of behind-the-scenes work.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's not two hours, and here's a great piece of work. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, and then here's all the prints, and they're up. Yeah.
0: Now, do you hand-make
1: prints? Uh, Like,
0: uh, I don't know anything about...
1: There are a couple of different techniques that I use. Some things that I do involve hand lettering. So doing a sketch and then scanning it in, and then sometimes making it super digital, sometimes just scanning it and having that be the drawing, or the drawing is basically done depending on how detailed and how final it is by hand. Okay. But yeah, so I really like doing that. That's something that they stressed too, and in the program was find something that you can do by hand, don't have it all be on the computer, and, and especially get it away from the computer when... When you can and when you need to. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: Otherwise so you spend so much time on the computer.
1: Yeah, fixing you, these you tiny things, it. yeah. yeah.
0: It's true of pretty much anything, I think.
1: You're yeah. You kind of in lost
0: in the computer and time just goes by and you don't think it's clearly in front of the computer as you do when you're outside of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Jeez. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I see myself in Columbus being pretty involved with the artist, designer, creative people, community here, and hopefully partnering with different people on different projects, too. I think that'd be really cool. And hopefully having a shop, too, that is not necessarily a shop that people can walk into, but definitely an online shop. And I think that since it's 10 years from now, I'll I'll give myself like (laughs) some more ambition, too, um, which is, it would be really neat to have prints featured in different local stores too like gift stores yeah i had walked around and admired them and and thought i wonder if i can do it
0: you said you studied in richmond have you did you grow up in columbus
1: yeah how is that
0: i'm from everywhere else except for
1: columbus oh right right yeah you lived in london too right Yeah. yeah so columbus has grown a lot that's the biggest thing that i could say about it there are a lot of neighborhoods that have changed a lot I know it's growing significantly. I know the metropolitan area seems to be... I don't know exactly how rapidly it's growing. I've lived in Columbus, Cleveland, and Richmond, and uh, Columbus is the biggest city that I've lived in. So Columbus is deceptively big, and I always <laughs> tell people that, that it shouldn't be overlooked when people in Richmond thought that I lived in the middle of a cornfield I think <laughs> and they kept thinking that Columbus was smaller than Richmond but Columbus has a lot of people and although I mean I really can't compare it to London which is one of the biggest cities in the world um, I think so
0: <laughs> it felt a little bit like that coming here it was like oh this is a small town there's nothing yeah. happening but then you know as you start to scratch away at the surface there's actually a lot happening yeah yeah for sure find out about it and then there. yeah
1: yeah and people are so friendly and generous here too i think that's something that i've heard a lot of people say when they move to columbus especially from uh, larger cities so i'm excited i'm proud of that <laughs> it's
0: got a good culture I, I, yeah i think i think in a larger city you know you, you're working so hard just so you can afford your rent and mm-hmm. yeah you, you can't know, really afford to things help things other really people busy. yeah and i think there's just a, it's a little slower pace mm-hmm. here yeah, Because there isn't that imminent threat that you're going to run out of money and mm-hmm. be out on the street.
1: Right, yeah. I've, I've heard people say that about New York and L.A. and that even if they wanted to help someone out with a startup thing or a freelance thing, there either wasn't time or wasn't money. So it kind of forces a certain lifestyle. And so I'm
0: glad that Columbus's cost of living is what it is. Yeah. So Good also, else. as people who are at the top of the game are helping everybody else out. Like they, mm-hmm. you know, they make yeah. time for that, which is really cool. Yeah, we really see that in other places. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. It's been a delight talking to you and thank hearing you. more about the graphic design world. Yeah.
1: Thank you for having me.